You are now entering the Mix You podcast. No credentials required. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 13, 13 of the Mix You podcast. <laughs> and we are live in front of a couple hundred people in Chicago. How's everybody doing out there? <laughs> All right. I'm here with my friends. Jeff Sandstrom. Andrew Stone. And we're doing something a little different. We have a special guest at the top of the show. Mm. Robert Scoville. Is that, that right? That's right. Yeah, that's, okay. That's right. <laughs> Welcome back. We decided that since you were our first guest on the podcast ever, it was fitting that you were in the same town to join I, us here live. You know, so many things started here at Willow Creek for me, I, it, in all seriousness. Really? You know, yeah. I, um, in a weird kind of way. Um, do I go down a story now? Do yeah, I tell a story? Yeah, sure, man. I mean, I'm going to jump right in here. Jump yeah. in. All about stories. So this must have been, whew, it's a long time ago now. Um, this has got to be in the 90s. Is that right? I'm thinking about it. No, wow. maybe, yeah, maybe a little later. Anyway, I was in town uh, with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. We were doing whatever the big indoor-outdoor place is. I can't the remember. The Enormo Dome? The Enormo Outdoor Shed place. Um, but at the time, I was actually working at a church as a service producer in my hometown in, uh, in Scottsdale. And I kind of took it upon myself uh, on that tour because I you know, kind of stepped away from the church, said, hey, I got to go do the tour. I'll be back. But I kind of took it upon myself during that tour. Every day we had a day off, I would go see a church somewhere. Wow. <laughs> go visit a church somewhere cool. and say, hey, what's going on? Show me your thing. Let me see how you're doing it, you know. And as it turned out, when I got here, I came here. And this is when uh, Scott Ragsdale was mixing here. Yeah. So it was, you know, he and I have stayed friends all that time and stuff. But I remember it kind of being a big thing. I came here, you know, I came here. It, it was nobody here. It was during the week, you know, during the weekday. And I kind of walked in and said, hey, uh, is anybody here? Can I see your sanctuary? <laughs> you, know? you did a cold call? Just I, Totally a cold call. I literally <laughs> drove awesome. up and walked into the receptionist's office, you know, and... Uh, Scott was here, and uh, I think it was Jeff Peltier was here. And, you know, I, I was listening. She was on the phone. She was like, I got a guy named uh, Robert Scoville here to see uh, Scott and Jeff. <laughs> and you, you could kind of hear him. On, I mean, it sounds weird to say it, but you hear him on the background going, okay, we know a Robert Scoville, but is it the Robert Scoville that... Just send him down. Just send him down. You know? Yeah. I was going to say, did they show up in the receptionist's office like out of breath? <laughs> no. <must've been. laughs> they had to go change their shorts is what yes. they did. That's why it, it took, took so a minute long. to change the shorts. Yeah. 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 That'd be like, you know, the Apostle Paul walking in to ask to see Rick Warren. Uh, no, it wouldn't be anything like that. <laughs> I was going to say Jesus, but it, that's not. Yeah. No, no, okay. no, no, no. And when you saw him, did you say, hey, I had some notes on how we could kind of re <laughs> no, the room? <laughs> well, you know, at least I didn't treat them like the guy at the church that I worked at, you know, which was I sat in the audience, you know, or in the, in the congregation for two years before kind of walking up one day and going, hey, you know what? I think I can help you out a little oh bit. Oh, no. You know, and then, you know, he's sitting there thinking, you've been in the, you've been listening to me mix for two years, you know? I would die. <laughs> I was like, you know, I think there's a problem over here I can help you fix, so... <laughs> you mean you didn't like send in a complaint on the back of an offering? No, and no I, I made an appearance. That would have been awesome. I made an appearance. Yeah, we'll put a complaint later. Yeah. on an offering envelope. <laughs> Sincerely, Robert Scoville. Just leave it on the console. <laughs> I'm gonna do. That. I'm gonna visit a church and then write a complaint and just find your name to nice. it. Nice. Go for it. Go for it. I'm all about it. That's awesome. So for our listeners who don't know what's happening right now, <laughs> all of them. All of them. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we talked about it on our last episode that we were going to come to you live from the Philo Conference, yeah. which is where we are this week. So let's just tell uh, our listeners who don't know a little bit about Philo, why we love these guys, what they're doing this week, and what these guys who are here in our audience are going to experience this week. So, well, addressing you guys here in the room, you've been here half a day for Philo. Does it rock so far? Yes. Philo is uh, short for first in, last out, and this is the only conference we're aware of that is strictly for uh, church tech guys and girls, uh, but it's the only one that exists purely for this, and so there's over 1,200 attendees here 
that descended on Willow Creek Community Church to uh, to just figure out how to get better at what they do. I That's mean, a lot of introverts. That is a lot. That is a lot of them. So uh, it's cool that we have. This is the third year in a row we've teamed up with Philo and done a Mix You event the day before. So how many of you in here were at Mix You yesterday? Yes. Cool. There we go. Uh, it happened to be our biggest one that we've done to date. So um, so that's good. It's been a good it's been a good pairing here on the, in front of the Philo Conference for us. Yeah, to be we here. love we love partnering with them and and Todd Elliott, who's the leader of their tribe, is just a great friend and always it's always great to partner with what they're doing because yeah. Philo is actually the only conference that we would actually pay to attend i think i mean it's the only one we recommend coming to because it's yeah. it's done with the right heart and and it's uh, done for the right reasons and it's cool well nobody so, will try and sell you like recyclable communion cups from boise idaho at this conference either so <laughs> i was really in the market for some of those too so yeah. that's a bummer that's great. I'm that not sucks. even sure what that means. I'm not I even sure what that reference was going for, but I'm just <laughs> going to roll with it. Just roll. Clearly you there's know, pain there. Y'all know what I mean out there. It was communion cups. <laughs> this is, ouch, descended. All right, so I'm, I, I don't mean to brag, but we have a couple of stats about the podcast. That yeah, we, yeah, we can celebrate. Realized lately we need to celebrate. So um, we've had 12 episodes so far. And because of your guys' support and um, encouragement to us and all that, we have had 80,000 plays or downloads of the Mix You podcast so far. Yeah. So thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to enjoy, continuing to support um, just what we're trying to do, which is basically to just have an honest conversation about audio as it relates to church world because it's not make money because we've not made one dollar off this thing nope. i think we're idiots no. right so <laughs> if that eighty thousand number excites you because you're a manufacturer or a person who could sponsor such a thing yeah then please see us at the back after yeah. this is finished because yeah. there's Man, a table was, somewhere with a lot of money on it that we have <laughs> discovered yet that was smooth right there did you get that, that we put smooth. that right in there <clears throat> yeah we can read a script with marketing jargon like the best Ooh. of them so you know <laughs> awesome we got some sound complaints to read. Who loves the uh, turn down Dude. for mixed you segments? <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be good. This is a pretty cool one this time. Um, this one was sent in after our last one. So uh, to say this, if you were listening to this podcast, send us in your complaints. We're talking about the cool ones that were written on the offering envelopes and laid on the console. Um, similar to what we're all going to be doing and signing Robert Scoble's name to later. Awesome. Awesome. Be sure to send those in to our email address, info at um, mxu.rocks, and uh, that will be great. So this is one we got. It's short, but it's uh, quite descriptive. So I read this. Your music is a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? That could just be done right there. <laughs> Period. Your music is a cult because of the fact that it is recreational noise for worship and that you don't respect anything to do with the meaning of harmony and tranquility because it is not convenient and that is not good. The end. <laughs> Short of that, we loved it. So, <clears throat> I'm not sure that person was a Christian. But at least they were in church, I guess. So I guess they're running a cult. I'm just trying to figure out how music can be a cult. I don't know. Well, there, it, there was a band I called I don't know if they the called cult. it music. They never said the word music. They said it's recreational noise for worship. So that's the new praise and worship In California, situation. they've legalized recreational noise. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because all the, all the noise at my church is still medicinal. <laughs> I see. Man, I didn't know we were going to go there. That's, that's awesome. Let's go. Do you have another one? Uh, I could pull some more up. That's pretty good, though. That's a great one. That's, got a, that's got a nice feel to it. Uh, we were talking earlier. We asked Robert, have you ever had people complain about concerts you've mixed? And 
Yours go to the newspaper. Oh yeah, yeah, those yeah, they go to the newspaper, the the internet for sure, you know. So. Rolling Stone magazine, like, <laughs> yeah. just like yeah, that'll get your attention. But at least they sign their name to theirs. You know, the the cue that you've had some is always, hey, uh, the band's manager called. He wants you to call him back. That's oh always the gosh. that's always the clue right there. You know, that's intense. Yeah. Because they, you know, the thing is, certainly in the the music world, is the the artist managers and their publicists follow it like nobody's business. Yeah. You know? And uh, you know, they are constantly on the lookout for it. They they won't look at. They'll never tell you when they read a good review. Never ever will they tell you about it. But the minute there's a bad one come up, man, they are they are quick to point it out. You know what though? I think the the corollary to the church sound tech is interesting because. When you said the headline of the one that you were referring to, yeah. of, this is the one that I wish I could chase this guy down, the headline didn't match the story at all. No. But the headline right. is what people remember. Right. So just say the headline and then maybe tell the story and go, <laughs> how is this even a thing? <laughs> oh, is there a you want to recap it here? Sure, yeah. yeah. All right, so I'll start with the headline. Uh, this, was, this was not long after I started with Tom Petty. This was in the, in the 90s, in the mid-90s. And the headline of the review was... Tom Petty concert marred by horrible sound problems. That was the headline. Can only get better from there. So here's what happened. Uh, as I was telling them, we were in this place called Rupp Arena, which is in Kentucky, and notoriously hard place to do. Uh, really, really big barn-like place sonically as well. And, you know, I, I mean, I've mixed enough shows. It's like I know when I have a good one. I know when I have a bad one. We had a great one. I mean, we went in and killed that place. It sounded so good in there. And had many, many people tell us so afterwards. But during the night, during the show, and this started at about the fourth song, you know, Tom was singing in the mic, and it started doing this. This is the picture of the mic drooping, right? And finally, he got a little frustrated with it and grabbed it and yanked it up and broke the clip. So now the mic is just, you know, hanging. And at the time, he was singing on SM57. Yeah, he was on 57 at the so time. So you're not going to get a whole lot of input oh, no, he into just that walked mic away when it's mic not pointed at, at you. Point, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So literally, the guy walked out on stage, put a new clip up, put the mic in. Nothing. The rest of the night, everything went great in the show the rest of the night. So this guy's headline was referring to that 20 or 30 seconds of mic clip issue. Because he, he went on to write a glowing review about the audio quality at the show. Oh, it's one of the best sounding shows we've heard in Rupp in many, many years, blah, 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 blah. But that was the headline. You know, that, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't condone murder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand it. I understand it. I don't condone it. Yeah. But some, so sometimes the application for these guys might be, don't get so caught up in the headline. That's true. I, well, I, 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 I mean, that's, and for you guys that have been to some of my sessions where we've talked about this very subject, that's kind of always my thing. I, every critique, you have to dig in. You have to dig in and see what they're really, really trying to tell you. Yeah. Now, the one where it's a cult, I mean, that's going to take some digging. I mean, we're going to have to do some digging. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think, and I still stand by this today, if a person is going to be courageous enough to come up and critique you, especially in person, you've got to give that some weight for a few minutes. There's got to right. be something behind there, it. There's, there's, I, I've said this a million times. Somewhere in there is a nugget of truth. It's in there somewhere. Mm. It may be completely shrouded by all of this other kind of nonsensical language and concept, but somewhere there's a shred of truth in there, and you owe it to your art to go find out what that is and try to fix it. That's you know? good. You got another one? Yeah, this one uh, I've realized, I found it in our email feed, this is a response to the one we did on our last podcast. Ooh. Oh, a follow-up. Nice. Yes. Follow Bring up. it. It's, uh, so if you, it, the, the quick synopsis, I don't even know if I could do a quick synopsis of this, the original. Um, Refresh our memory. The one where the guy says, I, he emailed this in, and I'm, there's not one bit of punctuation in the entire thing. I remember that one. Do you guys remember that? Right. I talked about, um, I see that the house sound mix is good, but at times it reads over 92 dB. Is there a way you can trim it to a cap of 74 <laughs> dB so that it doesn't clip and drown out the singer and da da da? Wait, okay. this is the one we did unnecessary censorship. Yes. Did you guys we like that, by the way? Did you hear that? Okay. 
Robert, since you don't subscribe, I'll explain. Thank we, you. You probably we, should change that. Bring me up to speed. Yeah. yeah. We reread it, and then I added in bleeps over words that didn't need them, but it made it really funny. <laughs> it's the best. So this might be a good one to hit again. So do we want to hear the response from the church to his first one? Yeah. And yeah. then he responded to them. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. Oh, I've oh got my it all. Gosh. It's a thread. So the original this is one, like the Pentagon Papers here. I mean, is, we got all the dirt here. Yeah, this is Watergate. Um, so very, very nice email back. Um, they addressed the gentleman by name. Uh, I think I do remember talking with you a bit in the past. Thanks for your feedback. We target 92 to 95 dB for worship, depending on the quality of the mix and the feel in the room. And we do our best to mix with our ears. The computers and buttons and presets are simply tools that we use to hopefully make something that sounds good and helps us to worship our God. Pretty good. I mean, it's real good, actually. He goes on, final paragraph, we work closely with our worship team and church leadership to make sure that the sound level overall is appropriate to the desired worship experience uh, at their church. This means that we will not likely be going down to 74 to 75 dB for worship. But I appreciate hearing your thoughts and concerns, and we'll keep striving to produce the best audio we can for the kingdom. Okay? Good response, right? I think you give that some applause. Excellent. Yeah, That's pretty good. Yeah. The response from the person. <laughs> it's amazing. Again, uh, let me just scan through. Not Yes, another one. Not one piece of... Um, punctuation in the entire thing and it's all one run-on paragraph so i will attempt to read it where i think it, how it needs to be <laughs> a jackhammer operates at 100 decibels 92 to 95 is close enough to a jackhammer yes you would say that would be okay if you have earplugs but jackhammers require double earplugs in order not to hear it and cause ear damage. Okay. For those of you who are listening and aren't here live, Robert Scovel is forehead down on the table. <laughs> about okay. to pass out. So now, okay. So we finished the double earplug comment. Um, if you have a hearing aid, which is another form of an implication which some of our members have, no matter how much they turn it down, it still amplifies. It does 92 to 95 decibels. I'm reading this exactly the way it's written. Is creating a lot more than you are equipping for. <laughs> Sorry, I have to kind of just... I, I went cross-eyed there for a minute. <laughs> so, if you guys need 90 to 95 decibels to hear yourselves, then that means you've listened to yourselves way too much. Because, C-U-Z, because now... I couldn't even make this up. Because now you have less than 92 to 95 decibels of hearing range Take this in mind. I know you can't fix everything, but you can prevent those people with disabilities like hearing aids. Getting old isn't a disability. <laughs> Dang. Okay, disabilities like hearing aids and prevent the loss. Okay, it should be the contraction they are for there, but it's it's there, T-H-E-R-E. -E. So I'm just, I'm just Very it's common right here. Today. Very common. Good. Yes. Yeah. To prevent disabilities like hearing aids and prevent the loss they're going <laughs> to be suffering. Do you happen to have such a high level of value? I've been in this business for over 20 years. I've heard it all. What business? Brother, I think we've heard it all now. <laughs> Wow. It's not signed. It's an anonymous email. It's the That's best even kind. Better. Yeah. Good grief. 
They sell hearing yeah. aids. Yeah, he's a hearing yeah, aid probably. manufacturer. Yeah. That's amazing. So for those of you that who are listening. That knows a lot about jackhammers. Yeah, just keep sending us your complaints. It's got to be a photo of the actual complaint if it's written on something because those are the yeah. best. Or, it, But just keep sending them. We'll keep doing this because I just think it's brilliant. I think we've upped the, upped the bar a little bit with this whole thread. That is ridiculous. And, and the person who sent me this, you know who you are. If you get another, just keep it coming. Keep the thread coming. <laughs> <laughs> we want to finish the story. That's right. We'll just do a chapter every time we do an episode. Hashtag turn down for mix you and just keep them coming. I'll oh, just keep yeah. it coming. Oh. I feel like we should like Netflix this and just wait for it to resolve and then read it all at once, though. I need to binge <clears throat> through this. Dude. Yeah, like a whole season at once. Yeah. yeah. I but, get that. But, you know, on, on, on a half serious note, you know, and we wonder why churches are so sensitive about sound issues. Yeah, dude. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have to get, I mean, that's one complaint that's come in. From one, one church. Of how many? Oh, my God. You know, oh, yeah. that come in. So. You know, this is, I feel for them. You know? Yeah, because they've got to they've got to answer that call. Yeah, that's what I mean. They they can't just blow it off. They they have to respond. Right. Right. Yeah. If they're anonymous, I don't respond. If it's just written, well, how could well, you? How could you? I guess. <laughs> right. But yeah, I don't even guess I would consider it even like the face to face ones. Yeah. 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 I have had the occasional like they run into the booth, and they want to talk to you about it right then, and they're yeah. really mad. yeah yeah. Those yeah. are fun. And I. I was telling Lincoln about this and he said, next time they run into the booth, maybe you guys should all do this. This is really dangerous. If someone runs into the booth and they're upset and it's like bad timing, just take out your cell phone, put your arm around them and take a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> and then send us that. <laughs> I, had one, I had one person one time, it was, it was years ago, literally got up from their seat, walked just a beeline fast as they could right in front of front of house with their ears, with their fingers in their ears, just saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> and walked out of the room. So I don't know if they ever complained to anybody, but they were not thrilled. So I'm assuming you didn't adjust the mix then? Turned it up, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well they might done. have been talking to the voices there. I, I was, yeah, they might have been schizophrenic or something. Uh, that's so, awesome. One of our other big things about, since you're not a subscriber to the podcast, one of our other big moments in the podcast is the soapbox. We thought it would be interesting to see for this episode if Robert has a soapbox that oh, he would Lordy, like to, Lordy. he would like to um, just sort of get off his chest and maybe, because this is a safe place. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> I, this is safe. This is <laughs> safe. Are we safe sure? as you're going to find right now in Chicago? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, honestly, maybe it's attached to what we're, we're talking about right here, you know, with these complaints, because I, certainly one of the things that's making me kind of uh, pissed, not pissed, just frantically, I don't, I don't even have words for it when I read it, you know, because I, 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 even though I don't subscribe to MXU, I do subscribe to a lot of user groups on Facebook and the oh, internet sites. Come on, baby. <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> Holy crap. He said the word. Yeah. I said the face word. Yeah. And I, I really, honestly, I do it out of pure passion to just kind of see what everybody's thinking. What, what are the trends? I mean, it's part of my job is to understand trends and what people are doing and what they're thinking. Is it, I just have a question. Do you do it as some kind of perverse way to like raise your blood pressure? That's the, uh, that's the effect okay, of it. Got yeah, it. that's the got side it. effect of it. But I'm at risk of overstating it. I'm absolutely mortified in what I see going on there. The amount of misinformation and the amount of disinformation that is spoken with absolute authority there. Right. It is mind blowing. It is mind blowing. And you know, it's look, we can go down the deep rabbit hole of is the internet a good thing? One of the side effects of it is that you can get on there and talk with absolute authority and there's no check and balance for it. And for people that are trying to figure out these things in church, like, you know, I'm, I have a lot of complaints. How can I go deal with volume? The first place they gravitate to apparently is there. Right. Hmm. So, you know, it, 
I, 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 and again, I don't want to kind of over-dramatize it here, but our, our entire industry is getting completely poisoned by this. Completely poisoned by it. And it's driving us to do things where you just go, wow, are, are we sure here? Yeah. Right. And, you know, as much as I want to tip my toe in the water and kind of go, okay, maybe <laughs> just consider this instead of what you're doing there. I, I have to just divorce Dude, myself completely. That's like how hitting a beehive. Oh, how do you do that? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's do. fear. I it's absolute help. fear. Tell Lee how you step away. <laughs> I can't. Well, you know, and you and I have chimed in a couple of times yeah. on a couple of posts where it was just clearly so far out of bounds that we, it's just like, okay, somebody has to take the lead here and rein this in just a little bit. Yeah. Now, I, I don't want to lead you to believe that that's only happening in the social media world of Facebook. It's also happening in professional arenas. Yeah. You know, I, I, I read magazine articles at times where I just go, that, that's just absolutely incorrect. It's, it's what wrong. is being said there yeah. as fact, where you just go, I, I can prove to you that that's absolutely wrong right now. How did this get through an editor? You know, so, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is, but there's got to be some way to hold ourselves accountable there and sort through the mystery. Because let's face it, I think we'll all say it. Audio is a mysterious thing, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a black art. You cannot see it. You know, if the light is blue, the light is blue. It's just different shades of blue. In audio, who knows? You know. I really resonate that you just called it a black art. It is a black art. <laughs> that I'm, it's a dark that's art. really going to give me a different. Because I, you know, I mean. Interpretation it, is everything. It rhymes right? with black heart. <laughs> <laughs> One of you said I had one, so I mean, I'm just saying, I'm bringing it up. Sweet. You, you Dude, don't that's... have black heart. Maybe like blue, like you said. Dark blue. Really? Dark, 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 dark blue. Dark blue. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's okay. my soapbox. You know, I, I just. What, what do you think? Why, why do you think that's such a problem? Why do you think it's become that? Because you've been in this long enough where you were doing this with with your peers before there was all that crap. Yeah. yeah. And you know, is it really for us, it was really about where do we source good information? Right. You know, there was very, you know, when I, when I started out, which was, you know, when dinosaurs were over there and, <laughs> you know, I mean, there was, there was very, very few, even publications that dealt with pro audio, I mean, especially concert sound type audio, live audio. I mean, it was very, very rare yeah. that you found it. Uh, so, you know, you had to go a lot of other places. I mean, you know, you had to, find people to tell you about it and try to understand it. And now we've kind of just swung that completely the other direction where everybody just talks freely as if they're an absolute expert on it, you know? And I, like I said, I, I don't know how to solve it, but I know it's a real problem. So you, a real you problem. reference that the tension I have as all my friends on Facebook here know, it's, I go, no, 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 You're, this is wrong. I feel like I can help. But then that just gets way out of control. And then it's like, I get so stressed out about it. I was literally like waking up in the mornings, grabbing my phone, looking at, oh, I've got eight Facebook notifications and their replies to a yeah. thread yeah. that either I saw bad information or I saw a sales guy trying to take advantage of someone. Yeah. That one drives me the most crazy. But, and then finally I'm like, I got, I got to be done. And you know, now the, I'm out. The thing that really troubles me with it, because, you know, I... I even though I come from an artistic background as a mixer, I also come from a science background. You know, I have a pretty good background in science. And it's a, you know, our little area there is kind of a microcosm of what's going on in society today. Where as the minute anything gets challenged, then it, it is immediately rushed towards subjectivity. Yeah. Right? It, well, that's the way I feel about it. So, you know, or this is my opinion of it. Where it goes away from fact now, provable discernible fact yeah. into that's my opinion and, or that's my belief of how it works. So I'm going to stick with that. You know, but the it's thing about really audio troubling, is really troubling. Physics is not only a good idea. It's the law. It is the law. <laughs> and so there, there are certain things where if it's just wrong information, it's wrong. Yeah, there is yeah. object, ob objective truth in a lot of what we have to deal with. So I think especially, but on the Facebook group side, especially if it says church in the name, you have to assume that there is going to be some Lone Ranger volunteer tech guy who got thrown into a job because he knows about IT 
and he's expected to build a mix. So he's, he is sincerely looking for good information. I, I know, and, and that's who I sympathize with the most there. That's what's so sad to me. So at least let's find a way for the moderators of those groups to do better vetting yeah. and to, to, to delete or decline posts that are just bad. You know, it's one of those things when, it, when I decided, yeah, go, please. Hey, all right, all right. When at some point in my career where I decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take on the role of teacher a little bit, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've been mentored my whole life. I'm going to try to give some of that back. I tried to pay really, really high respect to the concept of if you don't know it and can explain it and can prove it, don't teach it. Keep your mouth shut. Keep yeah. your mouth shut. That's great. Because I suffered from it. I, I, there were things that I was taught when I was 19 years old that I still battle today mentally. When something like that comes up, I go to do it and I think, no, nope, no, nope, I know that's not right now. You know, I, you know it's, it's the amount of time that it's there is the blink of an eye, but it's still there. And I think part of the problem is back in the day when live sound was really only a touring kind of pursuit, it was more of an apprenticeship type model where you had a mentor or a, a person who was an expert where you started in the shop and you worked your way if up. If you were and lucky. If you were lucky, yeah. right. Nowadays, because technology has infiltrated so much more into the church than it was back then, now, you know, any 23-year-old kid who's good at computers can get hired as a TD at a church. And it's not the same sort of bringing along process in the, in the yeah. apprenticeship model that it used to be. Well, and you know, the technology has been a hindrance to us there to some degree. And it's not that I want to blame it for that, yeah. but what it has set up is this idea of, of, because of the complexity of the systems. Now, if I can get a person who knows how to operate it, then I consider them an audio person. And those are mutually exclusive, right? You can know how to operate any piece of technology all day and know zero about audio. That's Good. me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to name you by name, okay. but thank you for <laughs> We all do it. We knew it. But that's, you know what I'm saying? You know, and that's where your IT guy comes important. in. You know, he's, yeah. he's smart with IT. He knows IP addresses. He can get around, blah, blah, blah. He may not know a single thing about audio and how it works in an acoustic space. Well, or even the art and craft of it. Well, that too. I mean, it's actually we, part of what I'm going to cover tomorrow. Yeah. So. so you get a lot of people that are asking questions on those forums and so I don't subscribe to any, so I have to get them all like they'll text them to me and it's almost <laughs> enough reason for me to like join Facebook, but I'm <laughs> just not going to do, I, don't yeah, do it. I'm not going to do it. But sometimes the questions are confusing the art and the craft with the technology and the background and the physics and the, it's like this whole list of things yeah. that someone's asking and the rabbit trail will go off down just one direction as if it's the only thing to pay attention to yeah. when it, there's a whole myriad of things that you've, you've got to be aware of. And most of them are subjective except the physics side. And that's a hard thing well, to it, answer. The, the challenge I think for any of us that do this is to have such command of the, the operational aspect of it, of the, of the technology aspect of yep. it, that we can then gain control of the subjective aspect of it. That's so good. Right? That's good. Yeah. I mean, just because you can fluently operate everything, which is what a lot of schools are teaching right now. Oh my gosh. Does not mean you know how to mix music. Right. It just means you know how to turn the thing on and route signals and get them going and put compressors on and all this thing. It has no bearing on the art. Just because I can hold a paintbrush does not mean I can paint a Renoir. Oh, dude. Come on. Right? Oh, so good. So it, there has to be some discernment of those two pieces. I've, I've been on kind of a crusade, for lack of a better term, going around to schools to get them to add music. If they're, if they're teaching people to mix music, at least add a music appreciation class, a yeah. music production appreciation what to listen for, how what to, listen to listen to music. For. Yeah. What, what kind of sounds, what kind of mix approaches are appropriate for this genre of music? Yeah. Right? Has right. nothing to do with operating the console. That is a, and I've said this forever, mixing is not a technical skill. It's not a technical skill. It is a listening skill. 
That's good. That's drop the mic right there. Don't drop that. We Actually, have to it's buy kind it. of expensive, so don't do that. <laughs> yeah. No, you have to learn how to listen and in from a production perspective, right? Yeah. You know, anybody can turn on the bass drum. Is it the right sound for what we're doing? That's that's the skill. I can take I can take a monkey and teach them to route signals and turn them up where I can hear them all. Yeah. I can't teach the monkey to go jazz today. Okay? This is not pop rock. Right. Hmm. Right. Yeah, what what type of wood is best on a drum kit for a jazz ensemble? Right. Right. Like we should know those things if we're mixing a jazz band. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I've said it for years in some of the mixing teaching sessions that I, I've done, you know, the people that I've grown up revering and who I, who were unquestionably geniuses and great at it. <laughs> the guys that were great mixers there knew very little about the console technology. They knew about instrumentation and music arrangement. You're giving me hope here. You know, right. they knew that that guitar with that kind of pickup through that kind of amp will get you that kind of sound, right? Not what microphone to put on it. Wow. Right? That's awesome. Most of the records we grew up listening to were done like that. Absolutely they were. I mean, you don't go change the microphone, you go change the source. Right, right. It, it's, it, it, for, I think for us old guys, the ones with gray hair, you know, we, we have an interesting context on this because we can listen to old records now or, you know, let's, let's say music that was produced through the 60s and 70s, and we know what was used both in terms of technique and technology to record that. And I, I mean, I listen to it now and I just go, how did they get that? Yeah. How did they get that sound right there? Yeah. That's pretty, I've never thought about that because I, I'm a bit of an old soul. So I can listen to music from the 70s and 80s and go, that's a Telecaster through a twin reverb if right. I've ever heard one. But if I listen to Katy Perry's new record, I don't go, oh, that's a contact sampler auto-tuned. <laughs> the MIDI was exported and put... We don't do that. No, I we don't do that. that. You know, oh, my gosh. I mean, that, that could take us down a whole other rabbit hole of what... Get, kind of getting out of the live sound world here of what music creation is now. Mm. You know, I, I mean, the, I think just my own personal take on it now, don't necessarily write this as stone. You know, we're not in the era any longer of the recordist... No. Right. Or the, even to some degree, the mixologist. No. We are in the era of the editor. Right. Right. Music is, and I'm talking primarily pop and rock music here. Don't crucify me on the, on the jazz and the, the pure fronts. But music is in the assembly line now. It is being assembled and, and put together and yeah. put out. Is, there's, I even, and, and the, the ramifications that that is having on the, as we wrap it around and take that out and try to do it live is profound because we have people in kind of the newer people that are coming to this now that aren't treating the live portion of it like mixing now the, this whole concept of actually moving faders to make something work yeah. musically it's it feels like a lot of times guys I'm going to sound like an old curmudgeon here but it's I've just watched it too many times where it's all about finding the right compressor to take that input and get it to sit absolutely still during the performance yeah. And then I'm going to put another one right next to it. And then I'm going to put another one in the middle and raise it up just a little bit and just build this tapestry of things that just sit still during the show. Wow. And it's like, man, it just does the, the music and the performance such a disservice. But that's kind of how we, I, I, I understand why they want to do that yeah. because that's what they hear every day. They hear music that is mixed within 2 dB of yeah. full resolution. Mm -hmm. The I just, problem is the listener leaves that experience feeling like they were just bombarded the whole yeah, time yeah. because there's this sort of loudness wall of just everything coming at you all the time. And yeah. it's just, it's not satisfying. It's, well, it's, it's just growing up with a different model, you know. It's growing up listening to a different model of, of music. I got something to follow up with that. But first, uh, we're about to go to Q&A. So if any of you guys want to throw some questions at us or Robert, Head over to the microphone. Jake will meet you there and moderate a bit. And while unless it's a critique, we're not taking any critiques <laughs> no, today. None of that. No feedback. Only good headlines. Yeah. I don't think this room has any offering envelopes, so we can't write critiques down. Okay, so with the the mixer going away, I just experienced this. Lincoln just finished a record. It's it's worship, but it's pop and it's meant for radio for sure. Yeah. But in the mix process, he and I were involved with it. 
when we would get files sent back to us, we would ask a question about, uh, send me the vocal stem, there's a pop in it, we'll just take it out quickly. Well, we get the vocal stem that's supposed to go to the mixer and it's got effects printed on it. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second. The Send me the source file. Yeah. The producers are now making the tracks pretty much mixed. Yep. And now mixers are mixing like 16 stems. Yep. And they're widening and compressing and basically like pre-mastering is what they're doing. And then mastering is still doing mastering, kind of. But the stuff that's being sent to mastering now is so loud before it even gets to mastering. Yeah. I was yeah. a bit taken back by that. And then when we want to do backing tracks and things like that, he sends me a, a gang vocal stem and there's reverb and delay all over it. I'm like, hey, can you take that out? Like, no, because that was at the producer two steps ago. Right. Like, when did that happen? Yeah, that's that's been going on for a while now. You know, I, I think back to my days uh, in the 80s working on the Def Leppard records and or the Def Leppard record I worked on and working with Mike Shipley and seeing his approach to doing this. Because, you know, if you listen to those records, I mean, they're very instrument forward. I mean, they sound like, you know, like it might have been compressed to death to pull this together, but that's not how Mike did that. And it was all in SSL automation. Like if you watch Mike work on a vocal, like on the lead vocal, yeah. there's no compression on it. Really? None. It's just fader moves. It's just literally sitting there for hour upon hour upon hour writing fader moves. Same thing for the bass. Dude. Same for the guitars. Until it all just kind of comes up and sits where he wants it to sit. And it has no negative artifacts of anything on it. It's as pure as you're going to get it, you know? I'm shocked. Yeah. Now and there's plugins that will do that. No. <laughs> no, there's not. <laughs> but, you know, what it teaches you is that, you know, there's something right that happens when you're actually in that music and mixing it. You know, when you're responding to it emotionally, there's something that happens there that I don't think we have a good handle on. And I've always tried to take that approach live. It's like, I, that's why I've always said, I've got to have my hands on certain things. Yeah. During the thing, right. and totally, you got to make that thing come alive. It, yeah, and it's live. remember yesterday you were telling me, put those vocals on recalls and let the faders move around. For changing a snapshot, I didn't say like do your whole song just, that I'm way. I'm just trying to make myself feel better. <laughs> yeah, so, you're not gonna. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> Recently, we've worked through some real challenges with Lee, um, and he's embraced snapshots. What? I, no, 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 <laughs> right? no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Embrace is a strong word. Okay, so, he has come around to the thought of snapshots. Here's the thing. Okay, wait a minute, now wait a minute. Has he actually even said the word? Has, a, has the word... I heard that word come out of his mouth, and I've seen a cue stack. It was short. What? I saw it with my own eyes. Stop it. On a waves rack. I have not. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Here's the thing. Now few years ago, I don't know, eight years ago, I was mixing on a profile. The way the Avid console, I'm not just saying it because you're sitting here, but the way that console does file management separate from snapshots is the way every console should be. Right. Because the way the Yamaha is, I have to manipulate the scene process to do both at the same time. And it's terrifying. <laughs> and the way that you target things on the Avid is the most simple robust at the same time way to do it it is it was almost done, like a guy that mixed made that console almost <laughs> it really was an elegant workflow in so many ways i mean i think just the whole patch bay concept and the scenes and scopes and it was just if it makes know, you makes you the way your better. brain works when we first released the console we got it completely wrong really if you go back if you were to go back to 2.0 software it was a complete disaster, an absolute disaster. And by 2.3, we had completely fixed it, which was a complete rebuild of that snapshot system. Wow. A complete, from the ground up, rebuild of it. So there, I did use snapshots the right way to do it, which is that <laughs> way. And now it's just trying to get comfy. I'm basically trying to turn a Yamaha file system into the Avid one. I can't let that go. It's like ingrained, like this is how this is yeah. You know, done. I can help you. 
Oh, that would be amazing. I can help you. This is that would be one step of the twelve step program. I'm trying to get show you. I can show you how to turn that Yamaha snapshot system into an Avid snapshot. Let's system. go right now. Podcast over. <laughs> See you guys later. <laughs> I mean, of course, it, re it means replacing the console, but. It's, uh... <laughs> oh, touche. That's how we roll. That's funny. Well, That's I think awesome. we have a few questions. Yeah. That's good. Jake, right. what you got? Say your name. Hey, I'm uh, Alex. I'm from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And my question is, what is one thing um, that we could do or one thing that you guys did that's like a longer term, maybe one year goal that you can do to improve um, your craft as a mixer? Not just like a, oh, go throw this plug in on the vocal and it's going to sound better. But like what's one focus or goal or thing that we can do that you guys did it's like a longer term goal maybe like a year or so it's like manageable size uh, yeah, to improve our question. craft that is a great question um i think we should all say something on this yeah something that helped me really early on a mentor told me to try this it was like my first festival season touring but it was a traveling festival the whole festival moved around so i'm with the same people every day and his name is Phil Bledsoe, and I'm forever grateful for this. Some people in this room know who he is. He said, hey, this week, why don't you only focus on the kick drum? And then next week, snare top. And next week, the snare bottom. And went through the entire input list. And it's it, a lot of weeks. It was a lot of weeks. But it really helped me go, instead of like everything coming at you at once, to go, I want to get better at this thing this week, and then this thing next week, and then this thing next week. That was a long time ago, but it really helped me. Mine would be, um, where'd you go? Hey, hi. Um, if I was going to seriously try to set myself up to win in a year, uh, it would have nothing to do with the console, nothing to do with plugins, nothing to do with any of that. Dang it, I Dang, was going to say that. I want to change I, my answer. That was so, my uh, answer too. My, my thing would really be, and this is what I, everybody that has worked for me or that I've trained or churches I walk into, anything, I'll ask the question, how much music are you listening to? Most of them are like, what? Or I'll ask them, what's stop? Don't don't change anything. Open iTunes, and go to your recently played. Let's look at what it is, dude. Most of them are embarrassed because no kidding. If I was gonna do that, in fact, this is and I'm preaching to myself. I always remind myself, just stop. What are you listening to? What stuff am I feeding my brain with? because I need to keep that memory bank as full as I possibly can with stuff that I think was done great. Records that I thought were mixed, great. Performances, musical performances by artists that I may not even like, but I can listen to those musical performances and go, that was done great and somebody, some unsung hero behind the mixer like got it right. Live records, there's not a lot of live records that sound great, but there's a few of them that do. And you find those and just, just absorb them. Because I draw on it every time I mix. You can listen to the way I use effects and, and identify that, hmm, I've probably listened to a lot of live Pink Floyd, right? For a long time. And I've worked with um, artists that love Lexicon 224s and 480s and all that. So I've had to embrace how that works. And there's a certain characteristic to that type of, thing. I figured that out or got closer to figuring out, I guess, from listening to music. Didn't get behind a console, didn't pick up a microphone, didn't put on headphones. Well, I picked up headphones only to listen to records, but that would be the thing. I don't know that I would say it any better or different than that because I was going to say something similar because I think the, the thing is you have to have a good picture of what a good X should sound like. Hmm. I can't make a great snare drum sound if I, if I don't have a three or four sort of prototypical snare drum sounds in my head that I can sort of translate from what I hear to what I do. So some of that is just reps at the console with a record maybe and with virtual sound check to go, okay, how can I get my drummer with his snare drum to sound as close to this as possible? And it's just, it's just time and tweaking and figuring and that's the joy of virtual soundcheck i think we owe robert an eternal grit of datitude for developing virtual soundcheck because the the best thing about virtual soundcheck is not that you can 
mix your web stream in post-production or you know whatever to me the the biggest asset of a thing like virtual soundcheck is for me to have the luxury that i would have back in the studio days of being able to just sit and spend like and you work. were talking about automation how can i ride the vocal and automate the vocal to a point where it's just perfectly right here in the depth field of like i would sit with ns10s and go okay i want my vocal to just sit right here the whole time if it did that, I'd be like, all right, re-automate. It's, it's not right. You know, it's like, where's that thing? So in the live sound world, it's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on my worship leader's vocal and trying to craft tonality that's the most natural, the, the best picture of, of what their voice is. The only way to do that is outside of the heat of the moment, outside of a service, to sit with it in a recording through your PA and go, how can I make that better? And it's just reps. It's, it's just hours. Uh, you know, my answer is, and thank you for the question, because I think it's probably going to be the best question we get all day, honestly, because it's, it's such an important one. Uh, my answer is going to be a culmination of all these to, to a degree. <clears throat> I remember sitting on a panel once uh, with uh, Tommy Vicari. Do you guys know that name, Tommy Vicari? He's a film score mixer. He is absolutely my favorite film score mixer that is working on the planet today. And we, we shared this thing where it was just like we almost answered like we're answering here today and we both had the same answer. And if I was gonna give you something to do for a year, this is what I would give you to do. Your goal is to listen to music every single day of that year. And not only listen to music, because it's, it's gonna be how you listen to that music. Because what you need to do, what all new people to mixing need to do is program themselves, right? So I need you to listen to music every day and I need you to change genres every week. Every week. And when you're doing this, what I need you to do is this. I need you to question every single production element of that music you're listening to. Every single one. Now, for whatever reason in my world, I started doing that when I was 12, 13 years old. Ask me why, I could not tell you why. But when I listened to music when I was a teenager, it was, how did they get that guitar sound? Wow, what is that effect they're using on the vocal there? Hmm. I mean, you know, I, sure, I enjoyed the music, but I was listening to those elements of it. And you have to program your brain to know when to go after specific types of sounds. I, I've said this for years. When I walk up to the console, the mix is already done. It's right here. All I've got to do is execute it. That's good. Right? I, already, I don't walk up searching for a snare sound. I know the sound I want. The target is right here. Now I need to go execute it on the console. That comes from programming. That comes from listening to music and understanding this kind of snare drum works really great for metal. This kind of snare drum works really great for country. This kind of snare drum only works for the police. You know? Right. It's good. Right? And you can apply that to everything. There's going to be a vocal sound. There's going to be a vocal placement. You know, that's going to work. In rock music, vocal is very forward and very steady. Sometimes it's very far back, but still very steady. In jazz, M-O-R, that vocal can come in and out and go places all over the place. And you, you know, what you'll find, I think, if you're doing this right, what you'll find, I know this works for me, is I may, I may be mixing a piece of music I've only heard, or I've, I've only heard maybe the pre-recording of it, I've never heard this band play it, but I can anticipate what's gonna happen vocally in it. And my, fader is, my finger is sitting on the vocal fader the whole time and doing vocal rides. Because if he's going to sing it and honor the original performance of it, I know where all the parts are coming. I know what's going to happen. I can anticipate it. I am the automation, right? So that would be my goal for you for a year. And, you know, do you guys actually get how lucky you are to be living in this time? I mean, think about the access to information you have now where you could go pick probably just about any piece of music and go to, the, go to YouTube and say, I want to go see how that was recorded and probably find a video of the original people working on that piece of music that would tell you how it was recorded. Man, that is invaluable information. And then the, the challenge for you as live engineers is, do I want to actually honor that live? 
Do I want to go out and try to reproduce that live, or am I just going to fall back on the same bass drum sound I've been using since I was 19 in the club? Take some 200 out of the kick, put some 5K or 6K on it. Okay, let's go, move on, snare drum. That takes no creativity. There's no thought involved in that. There's no honor to the music that you're trying to mix in that. Preach Unless it's brother. the right sound, right? Dude. Everybody on board with that? Yeah. Okay, good answer. I'm going to, uh, before we do that, I'm going to present a challenge. So we got a couple hundred people in here and about five or 6,000 people are going to listen to this. So here's what the challenge is. Let's listen to music all year. And I want you guys to screenshot the music, the Spotify, the Apple music, the SoundCloud, whatever it is. And you post it on your social medias and you tag hashtag makes you listening. Yeah. Okay. And then tag us, tag Robert, and we'll hold each other accountable. We're going to do this a genre per week all year. Sound good. Yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you what, after that year, you can do what I do at home. Like when I'm home, I mean, I work out of my house now. I, I'm in the office usually after working out by 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. At 9 o'clock, iTunes goes on. My server has probably, no exaggeration, probably 60,000 titles in it. It's in shuffle. Every genre you can imagine is on that server. And I, I just shuffle it, and it's on all day long. It's on until really cool. I leave the office. Love it. That's a great That's idea. Awesome. That's awesome. All right, we got time for one more. Yeah. My name is Jeremiah Roby from San Antonio, Texas. And uh, as a worship leader slash audio guy, what is the best thing I can do to pour into uh, a front of house guy and a monitor guy specifically? And what are the differences that of the things I would pour into them? And you're a worship leader? Yes. Okay. Please come to my session tomorrow. I will. Okay. Planning on it. Um, I think you should go take for this. It. Well, I... It's such a complex topic because, and I'm going to sound critical of the church here, and maybe they deserve it a little bit, uh, in that, you know, the sound engineer, the mixer for your services in, in a great deal of churches in this world right now are looked at as being janitors, the equivalent of janitors, right? They are not considered an artistic contributor, they are the equivalent of, hey, go flip the lights on, please. I see a lot of nodding heads, right? Now, fair or not, it's up to you to change that. You teach people how to treat you, right? So in his case, where he's the worship leader, I would say, you know, you've got to teach them how to treat you. And there's, there's got to be a, a back and forth there. Uh, you've got to learn how to respect each other and know each other's boundaries and know each other's space. You know, that, that is not a given when you walk in the door. That is something that has to be managed and worked on every time you're together. You know, that relationship is really, really crucial. You need to understand his boundaries, what's, what's possible, what's capable. He needs to understand your vision so you've got to be able to communicate. And more often than not, you know, let's just use a front of house engineer and a worship leader as the example. More often than not, they're going to speak two different languages, right? The, the front of house guy might speak a technical language. He might speak an artistic language. He's going to be talking in bars and key signatures. You're going to be talking in decibels and frequencies. Who's going to do the translation? Somebody's got to step up and do the translation, and I'm going to submit to you tomorrow. That's your job. Yes. That's your job. <laughs> Matter of fact, you're going to be the UN of audio guys because <laughs> you're going to have to speak about six different languages in order to make this all go. Janitors don't speak six different languages, okay? But by the same token, you can't just hide behind the console every Sunday morning for six hours. You've got to be out and visible. You've got to treat you know, teach people how to treat you. Okay. That's my short That's answer. That's good. Great. Well done. Well and done. Yeah. <laughs> well, Robert, we can't thank you enough for being a oh, part of this. Thanks for having this me. Really fun. Honestly, I love coming and in. And guys, show. thank you all so much for being a part of our live experience. We hope to be able to get to do this again because this was really fun. So as we wrap up our time today, we just want to make you aware of a couple things. Our next 
Mix You live event is coming up in August in Boston. Yeah, and August twelfth. August twenty first. Twenty first. Yeah. Twelfth, twenty first. Whatever. Yeah, you know. Twenty first. August twenty eighth, August twenty first. Whatever it, it takes. Tickets are on sale now. Yep. yep. So just go to mxu.rocks. And if you're in the Northeast at all, you know, we're just so excited about what's happening yeah. in the church up there yep. generally. And we've had some great momentum uh, in conversations that we've had. So if you're in the Northeast and can make it to Boston in August, it's a great place to be in August. So it is awesome. Yeah. And you've then, mixed some shows in Fenway, haven't you? I have. That's pretty awesome. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. I got to get to that place. So maybe, maybe I the actually Red got Sox to sign the wall. Like I, I, my, if you go under the scoreboard, the famous scoreboard. Yeah. Go look for Johnny Pesky's name, and my name is right underneath it. That is amazing. Greatest thing that ever happened Let's to me see in my we life. We can break in and do that. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. Yeah, we'll definitely see if the Red Sox are in town the week we're there. It'll be yeah. great. So, anyway, thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Robert, we can't thank you enough. Hey, my pleasure. And honestly. Thanks so much. Um, we'll, we'll see you next time All right, on see the Mix You Podcast. Be good. Get good. Yeah.